That was a close one, Jeff. Jeff McBrayer. That was a very close game. The Aztecs, they squeak one out 23-20 over East, the Eastern Michigan Eagles. And we're going to get into it because there was a lot that happened during this game and a lot that we need to talk about going forward. So welcome to the Warriors Revenge Podcast. That's what we call it now. I'm Scraby, the producer for Gwyn and Chris on 97.3 The Fan. And I am with Jeff McBrayer or McBee who is Dan Cilio's producer in the morning. And Jeff and I, we, we've had, I think we have a different uh, out, outlook on this game because you're saying, just happy to get the W, and I'm saying, what in the heck happened? <laughs> a win's a win in my book. I don't care if you win by one point, if you win by 60. At the end of the day, a W is a W. But as much as people are sweating and freaking out, I am more encouraged than discouraged from what took place Saturday you're night. You're more encouraged. I am, because I'm looking at the resume – and I'm looking at this Eastern Michigan team. They're a better team than people think. And we, we talked on this last week. But you look at the resume. All right, they lost. Their only loss coming into this game was a Buffalo team that is 4-0. Mm-hmm. And they just beat Purdue, who went onto the road and beat Boston College this okay. week, right. who was a ranked team. It was 23rd yeah. in the country. And then I'm looking at the Aztecs, who play, out, I thought outplayed Stanford for two, uh, two and a half quarters. And really, it was the, the back end of the third and the fourth I'll quarter. Say, I'll say the first half. At least yeah. the first half, yeah. Because it, it was that freak play where they intercepted it, fumbled it, gave them a yeah. fresh set of downs. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have led 7-2 at the half. Stanford went and beat Oregon in a bizarre game we'll touch on that in a little bit in our recap yeah but uh yeah stanford's ranked seventh now sdsu's got a great resume eastern michigan is a good team and sdsu why there there's definitely things to be concerned about the fact you got the w against a good team in overtime showed resilience and i am taking more things away from it positive i can't really call eastern washington i mean michigan because (laughs) the the color analyst on the broadcast said Eastern Washington maybe 4,000 times and being behind the scenes guys like we are, we know that someone's probably sitting there being like, oh my God, he said it again. And then he ended up saying Eastern Michigan, but I, I don't know. I can call Eastern Michigan a good team. The Aztecs needed overtime to win. John Barron, the second, who is going to be an NFL kicker, he did something very NFL like. And I'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to that later in the, in the podcast. But this, this win comes with a cost. And from the outside looking in, it looks like it might cost a few weeks because Jawan Washington left the game with injury again. He left with a turf toe injury last week, and then this week he left with some sort of shoulder injury, which I, whoever – I was watching the game with one of my friends, and he went down, and he, he like looked like he was grabbing his shoulder. I'm like, did he look hurt? And then no one said anything, and then all of a sudden he's on the sidelines with a, without his shoulder pads on with some ice. So I'm like, what the heck happened? And I'm no doctor, but I think it might be collarbone. You're not a doctor? No, I'm not a doctor. Dang. Rocky Long, before I get your reaction, Rocky Long said after the game that it looks like he'll be okay, but it doesn't really tell me anything because he could be okay. Yeah, he'll be okay, but when will he be okay? Will he be okay for the Boise State game that's coming up in two weeks, or will he be okay for next season like Ian Rappaport reported this morning? He reported Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be A-okay. He's going to be just fine by the start of next year, but didn't say anything about this year. So that's kind of what Rocky Long did to us when I know Rocky wants to keep it in secret. But I just have no idea because it looked pretty bad. Well, But Jawan Washington will be okay. That's what matters. He'll be okay, yes. <laughs> I'm very happy he'll be okay. Don't be impatient. But when? Don't when? be impatient. I need to know. You don't, don't be impatient. Rocky will let us know when he lets us know. He'll be okay. 
That's what matters. I need to know. <laughs> My poor little Jawan. I hate when coaches do this, actually, because as fans, we always just want to know, is our guy going to be ready to go for the next game? I think as a plus, though, this could not happen at a better time. Oh, yeah. I mean, trust me, injuries are never good. We never want to see a guy get hurt, especially when it's your lead back like Jawan Washington. But you go into a bye week. He's got two weeks to recover for the Boise State game, so it couldn't come at a better time if you're going to get injured. Hopefully praying for the best that it's not a broken collarbone or something severe, hoping it's just a minor, you know, shoulder, Tweak, like, yeah, like a bone bruise or something like that or a stinger or something. I think maybe what Rocky Long's mindset was during the game is, I got a good back in Chase Jasmine. We don't need to put any pressure on Jawan. It didn't sound like they ruled him out, out like he was never going to return to the game. But once you take the shoulder pads off, is there a rule against them? Can they put the shoulder pads back on or is there like a rule once you – you know, declare them out, they can't come back in. I think it's just more of what the medical team says they're not able to go. They take their pads from them oh, because um, obviously guys standing on sideline with their pads on and their yeah. helmet. I mean, for all we know, Washington could just kind of sneak into yeah, the huddle yeah. and run a play without a coach not knowing. Yeah. So I think it's more to keep the competitive guys And they also had to on get the sideline. to his collarbone or whatever it was. Well, yeah, you'd, to have to take, you'd have to take off the, the shoulder pads no matter what either way. So. so Chase Jasmine looked great in the game. He's proven that he could be a good uh, running back. But I don't think he was ready for this type of role. I mean, he's going to take it on, I think, and he's going to love it. But I don't think he came into this year thinking at all that he was going to be the 30-carry a guy game or a, a 30 carry a game guy. Well, and touching on this injury too, let's real quick just look at the fact in Rocky Long's tenure, how lucky has he been with injuries? You never saw Penny get hurt. Moema was always healthy. Pumphrey was always healthy. You've True. never really had an injury in the Rocky Long era when you look at his, his, his star backs. Like they've always been there every game ready to go. And why Jawan Washington hasn't missed a game yet, he's missed some time in the last two games, but he's always had that two headed monster in the backfield. Yeah, Chase Jasmine, a guy a lot of people didn't know about. We just saw, you know, a few carries last year as a freshman. A guy I told you I liked even yeah. before the season, and you were like, "Who the heck is Chase Jasmine?" Yeah, because you followed this team too. Yeah, yeah, I was. I knew that he was the backup, but I didn't even think he was going to be nearly this good this early. Yeah, and I mean, he's obviously not Penny. He's not Pumphrey. I mean, he's not even Jawan Washington yet. These guys, you know, come along at Rocky Long's pace. But Chase Jasmine thrown into the spotlight. Obviously, last week against Arizona State with the fumble, how was he going to handle the pressure? I thought he was excellent. Non fumble. <laughs> the fumble, non fumble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rocky Long is still upset about. He still one. is, which is weird. <laughs> and his team won. I know, which is weird because Rocky moves on from things like that. It, Rocky's a very it is what it is guy, but he was talking about this a week later about the fumble, <laughs> which is yeah, very on Rocky like. But yeah, uh, Jasmine thrown into the the the, the spotlight the this fire. week. Yeah, thrown into the fire. Sixteen carries, ninety four yards, averaged five point nine yards a carry. Actually, better than what Washington was doing. Chase Jasmine obviously built more like a penny type, a little thicker, more more yeah. muscular, more like a bowling ball. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I mean, Jasmine is a guy that's capable to step in. You saw it, 94 yards on 16 carries. Um, very capable of being the lead back if need be for Boise. But, of course, you'd love to have the versatility of the Thunder and the Lightning with Washington, the quicker Ooh. guy, and then Jasmine, the more Ooh, the more stronger guy. No, I get what you're <laughs> saying. And Jawan Washington, let's not forget that he was on pace to be doing what he was doing already because when he came out of the game, he had, he had 12 carries for 61 yards and he had a 5.1 yard per carry average, which is very Jawan Washington. Like I mean, they're getting almost a half a first down every time they carry the ball. So that's awesome. But the biggest question to me coming out of this game is not Ryan Agnew. We'll get to him in a second. Is not the defense. We'll get to them in a second. It's who's behind Chase Jasmine because now, like you said, you don't have your thunder and lightning. <laughs> well, Chris Lightning. 
As we know at SDSU, you always uh, load up on your running backs, of course, because Rocky Long, we know, knows how to recruit the running back position. He does. The beautiful thing about this, he finds guys that nobody hears about. I mean, Donald Pumphrey actually went to SDSU because no one else would recruit him as a running back. Where's he from? Uh, Las Vegas. Oh. Nobody wanted Pumphrey. He was actually recruited. Nobody would give him a running back spot. We saw how that turned out for him. Ended up leading FBS all time in rushing yards. Yeah. Um, so the backup that, that will actually back up Jasmine if Washington is not ready to go, Keegan Williams from Cedar, Texas. Cedar, Texas. Or Cedar Hill, Texas. Sorry. Now, I was trying to look up his first name because I wanted to see how to pronounce it. It's spelled K-A-E-G-U-N, but... Uh, it wasn't in the pronunciation guide that the school puts out, so it doesn't look like they wanted him to play much or they were planning on him playing much. So he's going to be playing a lot now if he's the backup. Or does that just mean they expect people to know how to say it and we're just too dumb to figure it out? Uh, yeah, but it looks like Kagan. It could, it could be Kagan. Kagan? Keegan. Keegan? I'm going to go with Keegan. Let's go Keegan. I think Keegan is what the announcer said hey. on Saturday night. Okay, all right. All right, so yeah, Keegan Williams, he's a 5'9 back. Well, so, was this the same guy who said Eastern Washington like 400 times? Because then we're <laughs> definitely wrong. We should go with Keegan. That's true. Uh, so Keegan, 5'9", 200-pound running back. So he's going to be more the Juwan Washington type that will back up Chase Jasmine if Washington can't go for Boise uh, next week. But also they have another back. So Keegan is a, tr- a redshirt freshman. As a true freshman, they have Jordan Bird, who's a 5'9 freshman. Apparently Rocky likes these 5'9", yeah, 5'10 backs. They're all under six foot. Uh, this kid's from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I was telling you about his stats. Mm-hmm. This is the fourth string running back, but okay. would be, be the third string, obviously, if Washington can't go, just in case, worst case scenario, somebody else gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, so between the two freshmen with Williams, who was actually their their highest recruit two years ago in the 2016 class. Wow, okay. And then Bird is a kid coming in out of New Mexico, put up crazy numbers, like 1,000 yards passing as a senior. fifteen hundred so quarterback. Yard- no, he actually rushed for 1,500 yards and received for 600 yards as well. Kid what? played like... It's high school. They play like nine positions. I mean, was he throwing it to himself? What is he, like some sort of transformer? <laughs> he was probably the guy that just threw it up, had someone bat it, came back to him, and then he just ran. Like multiple times? Because that would mean <laughs> he did it multiple times. Did you ever see the movie The Replacements? When, yeah, yeah, I've seen the when movie When Keanu the Reeves throw it, off, throw it off the guy's helmet yeah. and then the Chinese guy catches it? <laughs> yes. So it's like that, except when it came off the helmet, he caught it back himself and then decided to run it. And he just ran that play all the time. All the time. Wow. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, go, looking out for that trick play. Can you imagine if that was actually in the playbook? That would be well, awesome. That would be awesome now that they can – I mean, if he's a quarterback, then they would have no problem doing some uh, running back passes or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a chance for a lot of a lot of trickery in that. But another kid to keep an eye on, we saw him at wide receiver, B.J. Busby. We've seen him kind of run the end around a couple times, too. He's a guy that they could get fancy with, and you can play him at back if need be. But I really like B.J. Busby, especially I like his hair. Those dreads are awesome. <laughs> so top – or well, that, that was – we're, we're going to get to Ryan Agnew here in just one second, and he threw a touchdown to B.J. Busby uh, wide open over the middle, blown coverage for Eastern Michigan, which I always like to see quarterbacks hitting – the wide open guys because that means they're pretty comfortable in the game. Quarterbacks that aren't comfortable in the game are going to overthink it and they're going to look for their hot route or whatever. But he was able to sit back there, find his guy, and, and throw it for the touchdown. So, you know, quick reaction. Are you worried about the running back position? Say, say Jawan Washington's out, I don't know, three weeks. Are you comfortable with the running back position for three weeks? Ideally, I wish it wasn't against Boise the first game, but going forward, yes. I feel like running back is the one position where you can't, I mean, you never want to lose your star player, Yeah. but I feel like they have the most depth there, and I feel like that's the one position where you can lose somebody and still plug in because we know that 
you know, it's pretty much running back you at this point. Yeah. You lose a guy next man up. We see it year in and year out. The guys go out and just produce 15 to 100 to 2,000 yards, it seems like, automatically in this system. So that's the one position I'm not too worried about, Chase Jasmine. I'm hoping he stays healthy because if he does drop, well, I do like Bird and I like Williams. There's just not a lot of game time for them yet, where Chase Jasmine we at least saw get carries last year. Yeah, that's the biggest difference is these guys haven't seen much at all. I mean, Williams had one carry. So that's that's not very good for him. I mean, he he's going to have to be thrown into the fire and quick. And Ryan Agnew, now we had the last two podcasts re- recap podcasts. We haven't even started talking about him until later, which is what we said last week. A good thing because that means he didn't do anything wrong and. He did throw an interception, and the one thing that I said coming into this game, if you want to keep your playing time, uh, Ryan Agnew, that is to hold on to the ball. And I know it was only one interception, but it kept the Eagles in the game, and it kept Eastern Michigan in that first half when the Aztecs were just blowing the doors off them. I think it was 17-3 to at that point. Um, and Ryan Agnew, he, he looked good. He looked good at the beginning of the game, but I think as the game went along, the Eagles kind of adjusted their game plan, and they found things that made him a little uncomfortable because he didn't look as good in the second half, obviously, because they only scored – six points you know for the rest of the game when they scored 17 in the first half well yeah and they didn't score a touchdown in the second half either the field goal in overtime so obviously three points in regulation came near the end of the game but yeah I think the thing with Agnew is I think the more tape you get on him teams are going to figure him out I think that worked to their advantage last week against Arizona State I think this week against Eastern Michigan I think the first half kind of same thing I think the lack of game tape just with only one and a half games of game tape I think worked to their advantage once they saw him for a half they started to kind of figure him out but the interception I'm okay with it was one of those it was a spot interception it was one of those the receiver he threw to a spot where the receiver was supposed to be yeah the receiver I, wasn't there so I tweeted J.R. Tolver who used to a former Aztecs wide receiver and I wanted to know my neighbor your, yeah your neighbor yeah. that's right um I tweeted him and asked him whether or not he thought that was a miscommunication interception and he said yes it was for sure a miscommunication interception which you know it is what it is but still kept him in the game yeah, it did. And I mean, obviously, you don't want to see any interceptions, but it wasn't that egregious of an interception, at least in terms of Agnew and his choice. You know what um, I kind of saw from Agnew? that it, it, I like that he can run the ball, but I feel like he pulls it down a little too quick sometimes. And I'm not seeing the rest of the field, so this could be something where they're covered and he needs to pull it down. But as a fan sitting at home watching that TV broadcast, it looks like he's really, really – trigger happy to pull that ball down and and run with it yeah and I think this game you kind of saw we talked about last week how Agnew is one of those he takes more risks than Chapman and if they pay off then he looks brilliant and if they don't then you're like oh man can we have Chapman in who never turns it over and I think you (laughs) kind of saw a little bit of that in this game where you know he did have the interception there were some questionable decisions the one thing I noticed with Agnew that I think he needs to work on he needs to learn when to throw it away and we were talking about this about Chapman against Stanford too you can throw the ball away and live another day Mm -hmm. and we talked about field position as a key to this game it's not the worst case scenario if you go three and out and have to punt and I think that's one thing as a young quarterback that hasn't played a lot of games um, needs to learn is you got to know when to throw it away live another day because you have such a good defense behind you anyway yeah rely on that defense play the field position game and you'll still come out and win a lot of ball games but you don't have to go for the home run every time and I think that's where Agnew is learning and I think going forward through the season hopefully we'll see the progression of where he'll go to know when to throw it away and when to live for another day you know after this game not that he played bad I just don't think it's a slam dunk that Christian Chapman doesn't get his job back. I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think that if if he plays like this and he's a game manager just like Christian Chapman is, I think they'll put Christian Chapman back in there because Rocky is a coach. Rocky is a guy who 
lives by his word. And if he says that, you know, you're not going to lose your position to injury, I think that's exactly what we're going to get. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Agnew went to the bench unless he starts throwing for 300 yards every game and, you know, doing some crazy things that Chapman just can't do. I mean, do you think I'm too off base with that? No, I I think it goes back to the high-risk, high-reward. I think Agnew is one of those guys that I, I disagree with the part that I think Chapman is more of a game manager. manager, And that's not to take anything away from Chapman. He's been so great at, at it for the entire time he's been here. But I just think Agnew can come in and make passes that Chapman can't. I do think Agnew's got a better arm. I think he's more athletic. But I think a lot of the tell of what's going to happen down the line is, well, one, Chapman has to get healthy first. But two, I think the Boise State game goes a long way. Because if Agnew, if you look at Agnew's resume and you have Eastern Michigan, Arizona State, and Boise as all wins, it's going to be hard to pull that kid out when yeah. he's beaten Boise State. Because Boise is back in the top 25 this week. So you'd have a, two ranked teams that he would knock off. One on the road, one at home, which was a Pac-12 team. And you had a good Eastern Michigan team to that. It's going to be hard to pull that kid out when he's got that on his resume. Yeah, that's very true. So lots to look for there going, going forward. And he's going to get a good two weeks here to study film on Boise State because he's going to need to. I think he's going to need to go to the air a lot more in that game. Now moving on to the defense, they were awesome as always. They they are awesome every single week, but they did give up another long touchdown. And I have to give you props, Jeff, because last week uh, on the preview podcast you said that Eastern Michigan may go with a two quarterback thing, and uh, I didn't want to I didn't want to say it in the in the podcast, but I was thinking this guy's crazy because they're going to go with their better quarterback, Mike Glass, the second. I believe it's the second. The third, actually. Oh, the third. Wow, I didn't know there's so many Mike Glasses. <laughs> but I thought you were crazy, and they did. They started out with Tyler Wiegers, and he was not very bad. I mean, he wasn't terrible. He went, what, 8 for 11 uh, for 83 yards. But Mike Glass just seemed to be the, nor- the more dynamic player for Eastern Michigan, and it was kind of tough for the Aztecs to stop him at times. You know, the the, the broadcasters really were enamored by Mike Glass, who – was a San Diego Junior College player at Southwestern College. Was he now? I did not yeah. know that. You didn't hear it in like 97 times on the broadcast? I apparently have a huge problem with this broadcast, but <laughs> he, they, they said it a lot. Yeah, he was. He was a Southwestern Juco guy, and it was a, a very long road for him to get to the, become the quarterback of Eastern Michigan. Okay. Yeah, I had a kid crying, so didn't oh, get to actually okay. listen Jeff to much of the game, but I was McBee watching it. has a it. son. Little McBee. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah they, they did have two quarterbacks, but... Mike Glass seemed to look better, and the defense, they they did a pretty good job of stopping the run. Uh, We were both shocked because we were talking about this before, but the star player for Eastern Michigan coming into the game was Blake Bannum, and he ended up with nothing. Well, he had a carry. Oh, one carry. For three yards. And they did show him on the sidelines. I don't know if he was hurt or not. I don't think he was. It didn't. I, I can't find anything to saying he was hurt. I even Googled his name, looked for some news, nothing. No one's talking about the fact that their best player only had one touch in the game. Well, this was guy that led the team in receptions, and even now while you're talking, I'm still sitting here looking like, surely my eyes missed something. I'm looking at it, too. I, I can't at, believe this. I'm looking at total, no, re, no receptions in the entire game, and this was the guy that led the team in receptions and had over 300 yards coming in. And that tells me that the defensive coaching staff said, we're not going to let this guy have the ball once. Well, they did. You guys failed then because he did have one carry for three yards, which is ridiculous. But that's the defense stopping their best player. Well, you can't stop a carry. I mean, unless you're in the backfield before he ever gets the ball, you can't that's stop what I the want. carry. 
But yeah, I mean they they gave up the one they gave up a couple big pass plays. They gave up a fifty four yarder and a fifty yarder. But for the most part, the defense kept everyone in front of them, kept them in check. The two court quarterback system, you're seeing a lot more of this. You saw it at Bama for a couple weeks, Clemson at a couple weeks, and you're just now seeing people decide on quarterbacks. I I, I think eventually Eastern Michigan will go to Mike Glass because Uyghurs was supposed to be the better thrower. Mike Glass actually outthrew him nine of sixteen. Uyghurs was eight of eleven, so Uyghurs more accurate. But Glass got more throws for 153 yards. I just think Glass is the guy that's going to be their guy going forward, was better player. And I think they showed that because it went with him down the stretch as well, and that obviously was a clear tell tell of who the better quarterback was or at least who the coaches trusted more in an overtime game to put it in Glass's hands. Yeah, the only real pass that I'm talking about that kind of makes me a little concerned is that deep touchdown because they let themselves get beat again. The other long pass in the game in the fourth quarter when they drove all the way down the field and it was like, what, 50 yards you said? Something like that, 30, yeah. Yeah, 50 yards. Well, I see that more as a pre, uh, of a defensive call play. Like let them get, we've talked about this multiple times. Let them get their yards but keep them in the red zone and that tough defense will always win. And that's exactly what I see that. So I don't count that against them or anything. The touchdown though, just playing got beat. Yeah, and that was a 37-yard touchdown that you're talking about right there. It's just I don't know if it's if it's scheme, I don't know if it's just lack of discipline, but for whatever reason Every single game, there's one or two plays that just seem to go deep over the Aztecs. And I understand a 60-minute game, plays like that are going to happen, but it's just uncharacteristic for these rocky long defenses. We've seen it for years that these defenses are so good. I mean, you go back to the days of DeMonte KZ in the backfield. Smith is, Ron Smith has been back there for, it seems like, forever. Mm-hmm. And you just look at the guys back there, and it's just these guys are so disciplined that it's shocking to see this happening. And I don't know if it's just young guys still trying to figure out their roles. I don't know if it – I mean, because I thought it was a size thing, but like we said, Eastern Michigan didn't really have that big of receivers no um where you know you can make the argument for arizona state stanford size may have been a factor that wasn't the case so i don't know i don't understand why we're giving up the big pass plays i don't know if it's we need to get more pressure on the quarterback they're getting too much time to throw it i don't know if it's secondary members maybe switch someone up personnel but for whatever reason they continue to get burned it's just they've been lucky the last three games not lucky but they've been good enough the last three games to where they've still gotten the w's but when you're playing boise one play like that can decide a game it can. Uh, one quick note, I'm ready to name Ethan Dado as the punt returner for the team because he looked pretty awesome. There was a punt return that he had that got called back due to, due to penalty. So I don't want to see Jawan Washington back there or Chase Jasmine. I want to see Ethan Dado. And there was also one play that we're going to talk about real quick was the, the play when Ryan Agnew threw the ball. They said he was out of bounds. He clearly wasn't out of bounds. It was a big third and 11 conversion. And it was called back and ended up changing the game because they could have won in in regulation there, but they didn't. And really all I have to say about that is it is what it is. That's what happens. The Aztecs still won. Now if they lost, it would have been a bigger deal, but they didn't. So I want to give us pats on the back, though, because we've gone an entire month into the season. And we have not once complained about officiating. No, we haven't. But this game, there was some. There's definitely some questionable officiating in this one. Um, I mean, how do you call him out of bounds? I watched that play over and over again. Even after the game, I went back and rewound it. He was a good foot and a half away. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. And I understand, like, and and we're watching it in slow motion. They're running, it, watching it in live action take place. But the you can actually see the ref in the play. He's right there, maybe a what five feet away from from Agnew. I don't know how you missed that call. It was beautiful throw to the tight end. I can't remember if it was Parker or if it was Waring, but whoever caught it caught it down at the 10. It would have been easy, run out the clock, 
kick a kick almost an extra point at that point, or heck, Chase Jasmine probably would have taken it in within two or three plays. You would have won the game in regulation. All the stress, we all could have gone in and enjoyed mm-hmm. our Saturday nights instead of you know losing two or three years of our lives. In the end, they got the win though. That's what matters. The play, you can't change it. I just thought the the one thing that bothered me with it, and this will be the last thing I say about it, was the fact that they blew the whistle, called it out of bounds because once the whistle blows, you can't review it. In a play, in a play like that, especially with the game on the line at that point. Let it go if you think he's out of bounds. Let, let the play develop. <laughs> let the play develop, and then if you want, you can go back and review it and be like, "Oh, he was out of bounds. Let's bring it back." Or we were wrong. It was a catch. They're down at the ten, and that's the only question I have. Is just swallow the whistle and let the play develop yeah, and then that review. Inadvertent whistle thing is really fr- it's infuriating. And John Barron, he won the game for the Aztecs. We he actually missed a thirty-five yard field goal, which was insane because what I, I said to my friend, I said this is automatic. And then he missed it. But what NFL kickers do is they, and especially in college, is they turn it around real quick. And he made his next field goal, which was to tie the game, which was from 50. And he absolutely had to make that one. And then he won in overtime with another short field goal after they got the interception from the Eastern Michigan Eagles. So John Barron doing what he does. He missed one, but still he came back and he did it. He did it when he needed to. And the Aztecs win 23-20 in overtime going into the bye week. And then after next week, they're going to have Boise State in Boise. So hopefully they rest up and hopefully Jawan Washington isn't out too long. All right, let's uh, we have a couple seconds left. Let's move on to the McBee pick of the week or the review of the week or whatever the heck we're calling it. We didn't really talk about calling it anything, but Jeff goes through. Some of the games, actually, real quick, you're right. We need to go through our prediction. Both of us got it right. Eastern Michigan or San Diego State over Eastern Michigan when we predicted the games before the year. I said 35-21. You said 38-21, and we were both off. It was 23-20. We got Eastern Michigan close enough. But I was wrong? We expected, yeah, we expected too much of uh, the, the Aztecs offense. When I said on Friday I expected more low scoring than what we predicted, but I'm we're sticking true to our words and yes. keeping our scores. But, hey, how about the fact we've – Correctly predicted the non-conference schedule, though. We're 4-0 four four in our predictions. Unfortunately, the Aztecs are 3-1. and one. I wish we would have been wrong on that first game. But. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But, all right, let's move to some of the games around college football. I saw that Oklahoma, your alma mater, you're wearing all red. I think you are pretty much a Sooner by nature, by blood. Pretty- Actually, OSU is my alma mater. I actually went to Oklahoma you're State. So, I'm so confusing, so I know. You're so confusing. But, but anyway, they almost lost to Army. What? No, no, no. I, I told you I was not going to mention that in this segment. <laughs> I had to get it in there. Oklahoma yeah. barely squeaked by Army. Yeah, so we'll, we'll start, San Diego we'll State start there. Then OUB Army 28-21, but it did take overtime to do so. The fifth-ranked Sooners struggled in that one. But in defense, Army runs the triple option, a team that's very hard to prepare for, especially when you only have a week, because their one loss coming in was to Duke, who had – what, six months, eight months to prepare for him. Yeah. So um, it's definitely hard to prepare for, but still unexcusable for only a seven-point overtime win over Army when you're the fifth-ranked team. But a W is a W, as we've said in this podcast yeah, already. Yeah, I guess if it makes you sleep better at night. <laughs> hey, still undefeated, still ranked in the top ten. That's all, all right. I care about. So, okay. all right. uh, all so right. recapping okay. some of the bigger games this week, the number one-ranked team in the country, Alabama, hosted Texas A&M, beat them 45-23 Woof. to knock off the 22nd-ranked Aggies. First off, before I continue, seven ranked teams went down this week, five of them to unranked teams. Wow. So it was a big weekend for, for some upsets. Of course, the game of the week had to be Oregon and Stanford. If you didn't see this one, Stanford blowing a 17-point – or sorry, Oregon blowing a 17-point lead, trying to run out the clock with 50 seconds left, fumbled it, 
Stanford recovers, goes down, kicks a field goal to force overtime. And then, of course, Stanford won it in overtime 38-31 to remain undefeated, which looks great for the Aztecs, of course. And then, of course, Arizona State, the team that SDSU beat last week, went to Washington to play the the 10th-ranked Washington Huskies. Barely lost, though, 27-20. to Washington remains in the hunt for the playoffs and keeps their playoff hopes alive. So Washington and Stanford now control their own destiny in the Pac-12. Moving on to some of the upsets that uh, dominated the college football headlines. How about Kentucky moving into the top 25, 4-0, I think, for the first time since it was like 1968 or something like that. Knocking off uh, Mississippi State, who was ranked 14th. So, yeah, 14 – or, sorry – uh, 14, 15, 17, and 13 all went down. Wow. So UCF, the only one right in there, the 15th ranked <sighs> team was able to, or 16th ranked team was able to stay <sighs> undefeated. But Kentucky knocking off Mississippi State 28 to 7. My alma mater, Oklahoma State, after the big win over Boise State, lost to Texas Tech 41 to 17 in Stillwater. Oof. I was shocked by that one. Oof. TCU, 17th ranked, trying to bounce back from their loss to Ohio State. They lost to Texas, 31-16 in Austin. Tex- or is Texas back? I USC so. and TCU now, they jump into the top 25 up to 18th Move ranked. Move over Sooners. Texas is back. No, 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 no. As soon as they play OU, they'll be right back out of the top 25. Um, Purdue, of course, we said Eastern Michigan beat Purdue. They beat Boston College, who was ranked 23rd. 30 to 13. And then the big one, the biggest upset in I college love- football history, arguably. no. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. Go ahead. Sorry. In terms of, in Sorry, terms, I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun. Yeah, it was a 35-point favorite, I believe, was the final on this one. But Old Dominion, who was 0-3, beat Virginia Tech 49-35. to This program wow. just started nine years ago. Wow. Beat the 13th-ranked Virginia Tech Hokies. Old Dominion has to be the story of the weekend. That is the story of the weekend. I love games like that. When Appalachian State beat Michigan a while back, like I used to play those college football games. Uh, games and try to build up like the main i really liked main because i would do that cool, too you, you start as a you small build up school the, yeah the, yeah. the one double a schools trying to build to to beat everyone and then you start scheduling your big opponents and then you just play the game because you win every time because it's too easy <laughs> but that's what i love to see that was awesome i'm I'm happy to see not you know virginia tech i'm sorry but you suck old dominion for life i mean that game was incredible we actually had the head coach on our show uh, today too, which was amazing. Excuse he, me. He still had the enthusiasm. Was still celebrating the win two days later. Did he sound drunk? Uh, no, but he did just get off the practice field, so he was a little tired. Okay. But it was still amazing though. Just Old Dominion going in, or no, Virginia Tech came in, but to, for Old Dominion to knock them off, though it was interesting. Though he said they have, I think it was something like thirteen of the next sixteen years they play each other. So it was wow. like, what a way to build build off of that, because that, that's going to be become a rivalry now next yeah. year when they play. I mean, everyone's going to be talking about Old Dominion did it. Can they I do know. it again? So, All right. Well, that's it for this week of the Warrior Revenge podcast. We have a bye week, as I said earlier. So we're going to do uh, something in the middle of the week or end of the week. Uh, we're going to kind of recap so far what happened this season. But I hope you're enjoying it. Please reach out to us on social media if you have anything to say. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Matt Scraby. M-A-T-T-S-K-R-A-B as in boy Y. Where can they find you, Mr. McBee? Well, I'm looking on switching my Twitter handle, so yes, please. I will update that and then update but everyone. On Facebook, though, week. you're... Facebook, Jeff McBrayer. Yes. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>